So I just want to talk about the Lord's glory being revealed. How's that? That's my title. That's my subject. It's good. I'm going to read from first, Ashton. From John chapter 2, not first John or any other John, just John chapter 2. We're pretty much going to stay there. If you're waiting for me to get polished, it may never happen. So don't wait too long. Lord has me, so that's good. I'm just going to read this. This is amazing. Verses 1 through 11. It's where Jesus does his first miracle. Bless you. Say first miracle. Come on. We live in a life with Jesus, and that's all he wants to do is miracles in our lives, you know? He wants to do some deep things in you. Just allow him to, right? On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Huh. Now both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding, and they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And he said, I'm glad. I don't like people whining. No. <laughs> Sorry. That's not what the scripture says just came to me sorry Jesus said to her woman well I love that woman calling his mother woman we'll just leave that alone what does your concern have to do with me my hour has not yet come and now just remember we talked about God's timing last week and the timing of God and so I'll keep reading but just remember that keep a note of that because we're in the perfect time of God right now and we want to be in the Kairos moment with the Lord all the time. You know, we want to align ourselves. So his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. He came, she came up with that before Nike did. And now it's really jokes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really not. But they just come like that. It's just bad. So now they were, they were set with the six pots of six water pots of stone according to the manner of pur purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the fe feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water they said that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had, drawn, who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the, beginning, at the beginning set out the good wine. And when the guests have drunk well, then the inferior and the bad stuff, right? You have, you have kept the good wine until now. Last verse, verse 11, 111. This being the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested, revealed his glory and his disciples believed on him. <laughs> so Lord, help me. <laughs> Continue to help me tonight. I need a lot of help. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. Lord, we ask that you open up the word to us right now and that we'd understand and know you in a greater way, a greater capacity. Lord, we thank you for miracles and the miraculous, so I pray that you unlock that inside of us. And Holy Spirit, we just give you praise, glory, and honor. 
And, and we just honor you, Lord, because you're so, so good to us. You're so, so good. You just show us who you are in just the simplest ways. And we just pray that you open that up to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I always, I always trumpet that, that if you do not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, if you don't have the Holy Spirit to teach you, right, which was the promise in John, right, that you have the Holy Spirit to teach you all things, right? It's good that we have teachers. It's good that we have the gift and the office of teacher, but the Holy Spirit is going to teach you greater than you ever understood or knew before. It's when he touches the scripture and when he touches the word that it opens up to us in a spectacular way that you can't deny who he is and what he does because he reveals himself in his word. And so, Jesus, I just want you to note a couple things that we're just going to look at. And Jesus shows us this miracle and the, the, the author, of John, obviously shows us that this is the first place where Jesus began his miracle time, right? He, he stepped into ministry. Now, now he says to his mother, <laughs> it's not my time. And something within Mary provoked miracles to happen. Not, not because she said, now you're my son, now you need to listen to me and do what I say and honor thy mother and thy father. <laughs> that wasn't it. It was because she was pulling on what he had already been manifesting. Come on, it says before this that he had a, right in chapter one, the end of, of the chapter, it says that he had this word of knowledge for Nathaniel, right? That he had seen him under the tree and he knew who he was and he said he was a man with no guile, right? All these things. So he was already operating in the supernatural, yet it had not been manifested. And some of us, God's using already supernatural things in our lives and speaking to us, yet nothing's been manifested yet because it's not been the time, but I'm going to speak forth, we're going to bring forth the time tonight, okay? We're going to bring these things forth. Why? Not so that you receive glory, but the Lord receives all the glory, right? When, when he begins to use you in miraculous ways because we want to unlock, and I'm going to give you keys to open miracles tonight. Is that good? It's real simple. You, you're like thinking now, wow, he's got deep things. No, it's easy truth, but it's deep. So if we just listen to it, the Lord will just open it up to us. And if we obey, <laughs> if we obey what I say, what the Word says, I should say, not what I say, but what the Word says, that can get weird. If we <laughs> obey what the Word says, then all of a sudden, but I can give you a prescription, right? I can give you a prescription, and you never take it, and you never listen to what I say, right? And the Word does it all the time for us. We don't listen to what the Word says. What happens? We die for lack of knowledge. It goes back to that. We die. We perish for lack of knowledge. Now, God wants you to flourish because God's wanting to open things up for you. So we're going to go there, right? I just want you to notice that when, when Moses did his first miracle, it was a miracle, right? Well, one of his miracles anyway. It says that it was, it was a miracle of, it, it's actually a miracle of vengeance, right? Remember when he turned water into what? Blood. It was speaking of judgment. And we see Jesus comes with this life-giving miracle, right? Seriously. And he's turned, he, turns, he turns a miracle of liberality, of just expansion of things into wine, into new wine. And God shows up, because Jesus is God, he shows up at the wedding, him and the disciples, and let's just not get into the, the thing about wine, because I'm not going to get into hot water about talking about water. But I will for a minute. Because I believe this. I believe that... <laughs> Come on, there's all kinds of, 
you start studying stuff and you're like, oh boy, people really had to think about why the wine was gone. Did the wine gone because the fishermen were there and they were drinking? No, I don't know, but the disciples were there. And the wine was gone because it was maybe, maybe it was just this. Maybe it was just this. Maybe it was just because they didn't have a lot of money. Maybe they weren't affluent and they didn't have a lot and they had lack. And then the Lord was invited to the meeting because, come on, everyone loves Jesus. At least these people did. And the disciples, this was before they started getting in hot water. Come on. And so I just want to look at that and just say, listen, God comes and he does things, not so we can have a theological debate about whether it was real wine, grape juice, or whether it's okay to drink at weddings, because I'm not going there. But I am going to say this. It was a picture, because this is, this, I go there because we want to argue about the little part of this to get a line that we can step across and step back, step across and step back. And while I don't care what your personal convictions are, because it really doesn't bother me because I don't have to live with you, I have to live with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> right? But what I'm saying is we look for certain things so that we can go, oh, it's okay. Jesus, they call Jesus a wine bibber. Come on. Come on, I have rhythm. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> the reality is, yeah, I've been drinking earlier right here. It's good, though. It's, I'm drinking the good stuff. I promise you. But the Holy Spirit wants to give us a picture of God's liberality. Like, he gives us this picture that of who he is, the crazy abundance that he wants to flow on us, right, because of who he is. And that's miraculous in itself, because he doesn't just give you a little. Someone say, yeah, you're right. That was a great point. I do not want little. I want everything from the Lord. And I want all the wine that I can receive from him. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is wanting to do this because he turned water into wine. And it's a picture of the last day's outpouring. Can I just say that? Yeah. It's really, it, and there's no, there's no mistake that it was six pots that held 20 gallons. And six times 20 is what? Oh, 120. And who, how many were at the day of Pentecost? Oh, 120 lasted. There was 500 they started out with. But it was 120 that showed up and stayed put. And I'm telling you, God is wanting to show us that the last day's outpouring comes now. Like we had Azusa, 1904. It's good. We had the day of Pentecost back when the church was born. But God's continuing to want to pour out his spirit on vessels, earthen vessels. They were stone. They were earthen vessels that he is looking to pour out his spirit in. And so I'm telling you tonight, because there's something that he wants us to pull from this that will give us an understanding. And listen, salvation comes, what? Through his goodness, his lavish goodness. He didn't come just to give us a little or a partial salvation. He gave us the fullness of salvation. That means you don't have to do anything to get it. It's all there and it's full and it's all there. Like there's nothing you have to do. And as, we, as we're obedient and as we walk after him, as we continue to run after the Lord. <laughs> I feel like running right now. 
gave each one. He gives abundant grace upon grace. Do you understand? And grace is not there to be, that we would abuse grace. Grace is there to empower us to live a full life so that God, he, what he gives us, we take and we run with. What he gives us, we receive and we take and we move in what he's called us to because grace empowers you. Grace has been given to you so that you can receive something from him, right? But it also empowers you. It's the grace. It's the thing I didn't do. The, I need unmerited favor. Like, I didn't do anything to take it. But he gives you that also because there's another word for grace, grace upon grace. There's a grace that we receive that empowers us to do the work of God, to live a life strong in the presence of who he is. And the Holy Spirit is looking for a people that he can just come down on and pour his water out on so that they will receive everything that he has, right? And the gifts of the covenant, right? Because salvation is covenant. They're not stunted. They're not tiny. You know, come on. They're neither in small quantity but, or in quality, <laughs> right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? What the covenant did for us is completed everything. It made it so that you could walk with God unhindered because of the covenant, because of the blood covenant that he gave. And there's nothing that we miss. So do you get that? Do you get that? I can't go on if you don't get that. You need to get that. There's nothing more. There's one covenant. <laughs> it's become fulfilled in Jesus Christ, right? The old covenant is past, really. It's still there, but it's fulfilled in Jesus it's fulfilled in the new covenant. That means we don't have to go by laws and, and rules because I'd never, I'd never be able to take care of all those rules in the old covenant. I would definitely go to hell. <laughs> I probably couldn't even do half of them, right? Because there was hundreds, hundreds of law. And so the Lord wants us to grab hold of this so that we can take, take everything that he has and apply it to our lives and really just meditate on it and not just meditate on it, apply it and walk in it. Because he's calling us to walk in, in the fiery presence that he calls you to. Like Pentecost is no joke. And the, new, the, the last day's outpouring is not a lie. When I said greater glory last week, I meant it. God is pouring out greater glory. Why? So that he can reveal his son in his church. That yeah, the glory of the Lord will be on you but it's there so it glorifies Jesus, right? And that's where he's going. He's praying, he's pulling us out and into this place of covenantal glory. <laughs> There's so many good things, so many good things. I can't even get through my introduction. What's gonna happen here? He gives, <laughs> he gives men not only to water of life that they may drink and be refreshed, but he gives what? New wine. <sighs> he gives us new wine. Because why? Because the new wine changes everything. It's going to change your life. It's going to pull you into a place. Yeah, you feel a little funny. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to drink the new wine. Why? Because he wants you to have joy, abundant joy, 
like the fullness of joy, like joy like we don't even understand, like not, oh, Jesus, I love you. It's like, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to go crazy if I don't just burst right now because he's looking for wineskins that don't burst. He wants you to contain the wine that's in, that he's given you, right, that you can expand and the fullness of who he is expands inside of you. And I'm telling you tonight that there's some things that he wants to pour out to us that we're unable to receive because our wineskin is brittle and we can't, come on, Something has to change. You need pliability. You need the oil and the wine. And so he gives like a king. You know that, right? Jesus gives like the king that he is. He gives us like the king that he is. I'm, I, you need to get that. He's a king, and he gives lavishly. He doesn't count. Hello, some of us think we're on borrowed time. Some of us think we need a counter. Come on. You, you don't need to count. Yes, we need to recall the things that he's done for us, but we don't, there's no limit. Like, oh, he did this and he did that, and I'm saying this because I want you to see that there's, when he gives, he doesn't stop giving. As long as we follow and pick up our cross daily, he keeps giving. Pick up our cross daily, keeps giving. Die to myself. He keeps giving and flowing. If I give up, come on, everything, just so I can run after him, he gives abundantly, more than I can ever imagine, right? And so the Spirit of God, he's wanting to stand and show us, let the wine be a type of grace. Let, a, let the wine be a, the type of abundance. Let the wine show you that God always liberally provides for you. So we're going to start because there's some things I just want to look at. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And it says they filled them up to the brim. And so I'm going to give us a few keys to live in the miraculous, right? I know. It sounds like a list, but I want you to get them. And sometimes if I give them like systematically, it's better for you to learn. So you can go back. And say, okay, so I'll try and make sense of it, but the keys to unlocking the miraculous in our lives, right? And God wants you to live a miraculous life. He wants you to live out of the supernatural. You know that, right? Like, it's not a, a natural life that we're going to live. And there's so much that he wants to pour out. So number one, instruction always goes before miracles. It's not always true, because if you look, I started looking at some things, but for the most part, generally, it's true. A word, a command goes from Jesus, and then there's power behind it. Why am I saying this? <laughs> he, wants you to, he wants you to fill, he wants you to listen, right? He wants to give you instruction. Listen, there's always this, Moses... It says that Moses went up in Exodus 25, and he received what? A blueprint. He received it basically a, a blueprint from God on what the tabernacle is to look like. And so Jesus does the same thing here. I mean, I'm just going to show you. It's really simple. He gives an instruction. Fill the water pots with water. And now you can say two things, because really the water pots were to clean your hands. 
That's what they were for. So any one of us could be in the room and he could say that, fill the water pots. And I'd be like, if I'm in India, right? They always have this water thing so you can wash your hands before you ate and after you ate. In the Philippines, it was the same. They you wash your hands. So basically, this was what the water pots were for. But now, that's a lawful thing. And so for most of us, it would be like, wait a minute, that's not for that. Like, what's he doing filling the water pots for? Like, we would immediately question the motive of Jesus. <laughs> Why are they filling the pots? Right? I hear me, watch me, watch me, watch me, because the Lord wants us to see that we have like religious boxes. We have ways that we think things should be done, and God might go outside of that so that we can, so that a miracle can happen. And here's the deal. Most of the time, he's going to pull us outside of the realm of comfort and the realm of what we know to step into a miracle. But he will give you instruction. And sometimes we think the instructions are nonsense, but they're important. So little things that we do, Little things, little obedient things that we do can be very important in someone's life or miracle or a miracle in your own life. Hello. Like when God says to do this or set this aside or do what, I don't know what the instruction would be, but he does this all the time in us. He's like, I want you to do this, this, and this. Okay. Like if I think about the Philippines, I go back to that because that was a big one for me because I was, I was like, he's like, you're not going to preach like, we're not going to preach. I hear the voice of the Lord, like, right next to me. But you're not going to preach. You're going to pray for the sick. I'm like, okay, who are we praying for? He goes, the deaf. And I'm like, that's not little to me, <laughs> right? But I'm like, I'm thinking immediately my brain goes, unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. I'm just being honest. Now, most people won't say that, but I'm thinking this. And the Lord's saying, just do what I told you, and everything's going to be all right. I'm like, all right, you're going to look really bad if nothing happens. It's not about us. <laughs> because that's what it was. God, I'm going to look like a fool if nothing happens. That'll write the faith goes right down the... <laughs> we're going... <laughs> faith in the meeting is just going right down the hill. But this is how we think. Come on. I've been there and I've done that. So when you're getting a word, God wants to speak something. We need to speak it. When God s reveals something to us and he gives us instruction and we don't know the end of it, sometimes it's like, what am I doing? And how am I going about this? And you told me to talk to that person. Well, what's the open door? Well, you just go do it. I don't know. But this is what the Lord's saying. He wants us to be able to listen. And when he says something, we just do it. All right? Listen, I'll give you, ready? I'll give you scriptural. I know I gave you one of my own, but I'll give you a couple of scriptural things. Ready? Remember the one about the pool of Siloam, right? Sees the blind person, puts clay, the one he was told, he must have been told, spit in his eyes. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Naaman, go dip. In the river Jordan. No, it's nasty. I'm not going to go there. Like he was offended. But the miracle came as he went and did it. Same thing. Stretch forth your hand. 
When you see someone with a withered hand, what do you do? Is God saying to go pray for them? I don't know, but you better ask. I did it. I don't know that the guy was healed, but I know that when I said I was sent in here to pray with you, I was having an argument at the, at the machine and the gas station. Like, go in and pray for the guy. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't need to go in. Go in and pray for the man inside. So I put the card in. I'm like, all right, all right. I don't want to. Just go. Go. So I said, I don't know. I'm supposed to come in here and pray for something physically. He's got an arm like this, like tough. And he was like, he said, oh, you want to pray for me? And for whatever reason, the place shut down. Like, no one came in, nothing. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you right now. And he's like, he, he goes like this. <laughs> You know, he was wanting prayer. You know, and I'm thinking it's, oh, this is so stupid, God. No, I'm being honest, right? But that's a simple little thing, right? Who was, I'm not afraid to go pray for people, but I'm like, I'm outside. I don't need to go in. Like, why do I need to go in? I've got this card that does everything from outside. So here's what the Lord's saying. He said, I want you to just completely obey me anyway. Don't wait for something else. You don't need another sign. You don't need the Lord to give you another word. You just have to do what he told you the first time. And then when we do that, all of a sudden something's going to happen. Some, something's going to percolate. The spirit of God's going to move on your life in some way. Right? This is how we live a lifestyle of the miraculous. He wants us to live in this place. Can I say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And remember, remember, right? Jesus, John chapter 11, his friend Lazarus is dead. And the story goes like this, that he goes there knowing. He waits four days, waits till he's really dead and stinking. And he goes, and they say, well, what are you going to do? He's already gone. And he said, this is what? He said it. John eleven fourteen. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness not, will not end in death. For Lazarus, will, for Lazarus, but will bring the glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Come on, somebody. What does he say? He commands him, Lazarus, come forth. And so we need to learn to speak and to do what the Father says. Remember John 519 from last week, I only see, I tell you timeless truth, I only see and do what I hear my father doing. Because the father loves the son. He, the father loves you and he wants to show you all things. He wants to really make it plain and clear. And he's looking for someone who's going to keep looking to him and receive, right? It's all really humility. It's just a, putting ourselves in a place where we're accessible to God. Are you accessible to God tonight? Are you accessible to the Holy Spirit coming to your life? I mean, I'm telling you, because sometimes we put these religious things up that just flare up and God can't get through it because we're thinking about what the pot is. Why the pot? Why am I going to bring something? They're asking for wine, and I'm going to bring And the servants, they just listen to Jesus. They just took the pots that were for cleaning your hands, and that's gross. I'm not drinking from that. <laughs> I'm, come on, that's what my brain would have said. I'm not drinking that. Whatever it produces, I'm not drinking it. Like, but it's Jesus. 
And didn't he say, come on, cleanse the leper? What the world calls needs cleansing, Jesus can do in a moment. He can clean in a moment. He makes the most disgusting and offensive people healed just like that. So he's calling the church to wake up, right? Remember, he says, awake, O Zion. Listen to what I'm saying. This is what you're going to do. You're going to follow after me. You're going to run after me. You're going to listen to what I say, right? And all power has been given in heaven and on earth to go preach the gospel. And so he gives commands. Can I use that? Can that be strong enough? Because God commands certain things, doesn't he? It's not legalism, and it's not harshness. God, com Jesus commanded. He commanded the disciples to go. How did the miraculous begin to just go? Just go do it. Just begin to go and do. Right? Go therefore and teach all na nations, baptizing them. So he speaks to us not to make us look good. I'm going back to that again. He speaks to us, not so that we can get puffed up and feel all spiritual. <laughs> he speaks to us so that he can be glorified, so that the Lord can be glorified in all things. So when Jesus speaks an in instruction, number two, we listen and obey. That's number two. What do you do? Listen to nobody. I think I preached this before. It was just somewhere else. Or in a different context, right? We do what the Lord says. The Word says, whatever He says, do it. Remember the Nike comment. Right? Jesus' mother said, listen. Whatever He says, go do it. Just go do it. Just begin to move and do and grab hold of what I'm saying. Number three, God does supernatural, miraculous things when we obey with all kinds of zeal. <laughs> I'm not talking about religious zeal. I'm talking about zeal to do because the zeal, right? We go on, we continue this, this whole thing, what, what Jesus is talking about. It says he goes from this miracle, he goes to the church, he goes to the temple, and he starts flip, he makes a whip. And he starts flipping tables. And he says this, he says that the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. My house shall be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. So the Holy Spirit comes, and through Jesus, he just begins to release zeal. The Son of God moving in zeal. So why do I say that? Because they filled the vessels to the brim. They didn't say they didn't half fill the vessels. They didn't three quarters fill them. It says that they filled them to the brim. That means it was spilling over. And here's the Lord. The Lord wants us to do things. When we do things, we do it all for the glory of God. You do everything for the glory of God. You do it all to glorify the Father. And when you do something to glorify the Father, that means you put your all and everything into it. 
not in striving, but you do things in excellence, you do things in preparation, you do things because the fullness of who he is is about to be revealed in what you do and what, how you participate. See, zeal's a funny thing. We can have religious zeal that turns people off. Or we can have the zeal of doing the kingdom thing and moving in kingdom and saying, God, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you're asking me to do, I'll begin to do. Whatever you're calling me to do, I will step into in the fullness of it, and I'll do it with all my heart. I won't do it with just a little bit, or I won't do it with a, a pointing of the finger or a casting of, you understand what I'm saying? It's the zeal of the kingdom life on you that you want to do everything to please the Father, not out of even gaining approval from him, but out of doing it because your heart's full with who he is, right? And when he gives a command, we want to do it with all of our heart, right? So when we preach the gospel, ready? We're notorious for this. We'll go pray for the sick, see someone healed, and never present the gospel. You can say ouch or amen. It's true. Because I've done it before myself. I pray for someone, they get healed, I'm great. And I'm thinking, I never, I never let them do Jesus. I never even told them who did it. Like I said it in the name of Jesus, but I said Jesus can heal you, and then I didn't introduce them to the person that can do it. Hello. And the Lord wants us to be very intentional in not watering down the gospel for the sake of doing miracles. Come on, it happens in culture all the time. When people of the kingdom just begin to do stuff, and begin to run out and do, we call it outreach, but no one's ever saved. We just get, come back with our list of how many people got touched and healed and how many people we found on the treasure hunt. Ooh, we're very gifted, but we didn't give the gospel. I love you, I'm not mad. Because <laughs> I've been, I've, come on, I've done it. Like, come on, we're trying so hard to do something prophetically when God's saying, can you just love that person? Can you just give them who I am? Can you just take the wine that I've given you and give it to them? Can you just begin to serve out of what I already did? It might look like just water, but I have, I have, I have some wine in there that I just want you to see, and I'm going to pull it out, and it's going to begin to supernaturally change as we pull it out. Right? Ready, wasn't it? It was Ephesians that said, right? to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, we got to fall in love with him so much that you are so, so in love with him that you, there's, the zeal, is, there's no religious thing in it. There's not one religious thing in it. It's just fullness of who the pure love of God is inside of you. It's the river of living water that he always said, I'm going to pour out rivers of living water. It's the place where he gives a flow of who he is through you because you know him for who, who he is and nothing else. Number four, our intentional obedience to Jesus is necessary to our dependence upon him. <laughs> can think about that one all week because as I wrote it down I was like God I just want to obey you in such a way that my life is completely dependent on you 
because this is why I go back to all this miraculous stuff. I just, listen, I just don't want to be, I want to be completely dependent upon him, completely surrendered to him. When God begins to do things in my life, I want my life to reflect the fact that I'm dependent on God. The only way I got in the place that I am right now is because of my dependency on him because he won't, nothing else will happen unless we're completely dependent and sold out to, to what he's about to do. And most of us want to keep our independence, right? This went in prayer last week. This was powerful. How dependent are we? Or how independent are we? And God's looking for a people that are not independent in themselves at all. At all. It's like not in my strength. I can't do anything in my own strength. You don't have the power to do one thing. And I'm chopping you down with the axe today. You don't, have a, you don't have the power to do anything. It's not by your own might. It's not by your own power. It's only by the Spirit of God on your life that you have the ability to do anything in the kingdom. You may be able to even, well, we watch people, right? They build places. They build, come on, you build churches in your own strength and with a good staff and with the right things. Come on. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is trying to do, he's trying to tear that down so that the thing is completely built on one. One cornerstone, his name's Jesus. One cornerstone, his name's Christ. It's not even through a culture of signs and wonders, which I love and I desire, but it's just through Jesus Christ. This is so important. <laughs> like, I want to get whacked in the spirit, but I need Christ. I need the Lord to come in and whack me. I want Jesus. I want all of him. I don't want to miss one part. I, don't, I want the Holy Ghost to flow with strength and power. And the, what I realize is I'm so thankful for you all, honestly. I am. I'm really, really thankful because what happens is once things start, come on, expanding, if we don't pull everyone into like grabbing the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, I mean hungry, thirsty people, Amen. it's going to get watered down. It begins to, you got to deal with the mud in the worship. You got to deal with, come on. It happens. It happens here some Sunday nights. Come on. It's just when people, and, and the Holy Spirit is calling a, a whole region to just completely worship and give themselves dependent upon him. No independence. Like the spirit of Massachusetts has to go out of me. You know what the spirit of Massachusetts is. Come on. We have a right. No, I have no rights. Jesus has all the rights. Live free or die. No. Live with Jesus or die. Because freedom can bring... Freedom can bring a lot crazy things. Liberty in Christ is the only thing that's going to fill us. Freedom can bring anarchy. That's what I was looking for. We don't want anarchy. We want all the fullness of who he is. And that only comes through being completely liberated by Jesus Christ. Our intentional obedience to Christ is necessary to our dependence upon him. 
want you to just look at a couple things, right? Remember? This verse, it says, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine, they did not know where it came from. And then this, this part of the verse that was in parentheses in the New King James blew my mind. It said this. It said, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. You'll get it tomorrow. The servants who had drawn the water knew where the wine came from. Why? Because they went and they did the simple thing. They just took it to the water place and they filled it with water and then they brought them in. Filled to the brim. Said, go ahead. And I, and I was trying to think, God, was it always water until you just served it? Like that's how I see it happening. Like it's water and they're looking in and they're like, I don't get it. It's wine. And you can have some and you can have some and you can have some, but it's still water. And God's looking for us not to just be thirsty. <laughs> he wants us to be thirsty. But there's something that he wants to transform as he's serving the water. Come on. I have living water, but what, when, you're, when, I, when you're serving it, when you're serving it, when you're serving it, it turns into new wine. It turns into new wine. It turns into wine. It's going to bring a lot of joy. Because we just want to give the joy away. And the joy only comes from Jesus. Right? So I just want, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, there's dependency, right, upon it, not showing any, like, there's no other one that's going to glory from it other than God, right? Because you're completely dependent upon him. So remember 1 Kings 18. You remember, remember the story where Elijah is there and the prophets of Baal are there, and they're building a sacrifice, and they build an altar, and then he says, go ahead, put water on it. And they put water on it. And then he says a second time, go put water on it. And then a third time, he says, go put water on it until the troughs are all filled. Why? So we wanted to make sure that they knew that there wasn't any chance that any other spark, anything else in the land had done anything, but the water was filled all around the place and that when the fire of God came, it was God and it wasn't any other thing. And so the same with us. If we allow the Lord to just fill us with the water of his presence, I'm telling you, you are the vessel. You're one of the six. It means man. <laughs> You're one of the six vessels. And God's looking for a people that will give themselves completely and allow the water of his spirit and him to serve wine from your life. Just begin to serve it from your life. And what does that even look like? What does it even look like? Are you bringing the joy of the Lord or are you bringing bitter something else? What's being served from your life? Are you full with the pure water of heaven? Are you filled with all the fullness of who he is? And are you being, when you're serving, is it bitter? Is it critical? Is it broken? When we serve, what are we serving? It should be new wine. It should be the wine of his spirit. It shouldn't be anything else other than the wine of who he is. And then you also remember, right, Elisha with the widow. What did she have? He, he instructed her, listen, I got all this debt. They're coming to take my kids. The creditors are taking everything. 
And then he, he, Elisha just says to her, go. Find every vessel, every empty thing, and I'm going to be, and here, we'll just take this little wine, we'll just, a little oil, we'll just begin to pour it. What am I saying? The water, the oil, the wine, it's all the same. It's all the same. The oil is the anointing, it breaks the yoke. The wine is the joy that releases, releases freedom. The water is the Holy Spirit. It's all Holy Spirit, and we need all of it. And we need to be vessels that are empty so that God can fill us. And the power of his presence begins to flow through our lives. I'm going to end with this, Haggai. Chapter 2. He wants to fill his temple with the glory of God. And first he wants to fill you with the glory of God. Haggai chapter 2 verse 6 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, It's a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with the glory. He was talking about the temple in Jerusalem. But I tell you today, you are the temple. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. I want to propose to you tonight that God is looking for a people. That he can pour his glory, that he can pour his presence into. That he can pour everything that's all Come on, the whole earth is going to be filled with his glory. I don't care what you think about your end times theology. The whole earth is going to be filled with his glory. Why? Because the word says it over and over again. The whole earth will be filled with his glory. Arise, shine, for your light has come. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Deep darkness the earth. I am just witnessing in this generation, I feel bad for my children's children. Why? We need to have an awakening. There's so much confusion and filth and trash. I'm sorry. It's a mess. And the Holy Spirit needs to come on a people. God is not waiting for a troop of evangelists to come through every, every, every town. I'm telling you, he's not. I'm saying he's looking for a vessel that'll be emptied of themselves and allow the, the water of his word, the water of his presence, the water of his spirit to come in to them so that they, he can be, they can be served. Come on, they can serve the wine of his presence. Come on, stand. People are getting sleepy. I'm gonna... You can do whatever you want. I do want you. And that's what we're going to, we're just going to give ourselves to dependency tonight. I want to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And if in your, in your life, like I'm, I'm talking about these things, but some of you need the wine. Some of you need joy. Some of you need oil. You need things. We've already prayed for these things, right? Tonight, I believe that God broke a bunch of stuff. 
But I'm telling you, and it's not to rehash something. I want, I want you to, to, to step forward and just receive the wine, receive the oil, receive the water tonight because God is looking for us to be vessels that are serving. Come on. Listen, this whole thing, Jesus came as a servant. And so when, when I look at ministry in itself, I was always taught to be a servant leader. I said this before. And God's looking for those he can serve and pour out. And that goes for everyone in this room. That doesn't just go for me and my wife and whoever's on ministry up here. That doesn't, that should be a requirement to walk in the kingdom. Like you're called to just be a servant. Listen, the servants knew where the wine came from. I'm asking you, do you know where the wine comes from? And if you don't know where the wine comes from, you should come and get blasted by the Spirit of God tonight. Because I'm telling you, there's something, something He wants to release on your life. He wants to erase mindsets that think, and when I attain some place, I'm going to function normal, I'm going to function in ministry. I'm going to function with a prophetic gift. I'm going to function. No, no, no. As I serve the Lord and as I do exactly what he says, I'm going to go back to obedience. As I do what he says, when I give myself completely to him, then something happens. Something miraculous begins to happen. Because when he says something and we do it and we wait, come on, if you don't ever do it, there's no fire on it. Like, we're expecting fire to come from, like, extravagant places. When I'm telling you, it's just by doing simple things. It's just by giving yourself to the simplicity of who Jesus is. It's a simple gospel. This is not a complicated thing. And so, God, we thank you tonight. Lord, we ask for the oil of your presence. We thank you for the water. We're asking, Father, you fill us. And, Lord, we'd be those that would fill Fill people around us with the water of your presence, with the desire of who you are. Father, I thank you for the wine and the oil and the water tonight. And God, we ask tonight that you just fill us beyond our understanding. Lord, we want to be obedient. We want to follow what you say. And we want to be completely dependent upon you. We follow instruction. We just do what you say. And then we begin to step into the fullness of that. And then you begin to do beyond what we could ever think or ask or imagine. But it's in the simplicity of just stepping into it. We want to be available. Ready? God's looking for available servants. Available servants. That he can do what he needs to do inside of us. So God, we give you glory. We give you honor.